out once again to Combat Sports and Rhino, episode 133. My guest a little bit later on the show, going 10 rounds of Rhino, Tom the Phenom. Now, I'm going to say this name correctly because I practiced it. Pagliarulo, <laughs> CES Combat Zone featherweight, New England cartel. He is an awesome up-and-coming fighter, a star on the rise. I'm really, really stoked we got a chance to talk to him. And, yes, I absolutely practiced that name because I wanted to make sure I got it right. So our intro on our schedule is as follows. This fun-filled episode is going to be have our full breakdown of UFC 276, our both APB and my drop of the night, picks for UFC Vegas 58, Q&A with the Rhino Gang, and then the aforementioned New England Cartel featherweight 3-1, CES Combat Zone featherweight Tom the Phenom Pagliarulo is going to go 10 rounds of Rhino. It's a good one. So without further ado, APB. Let's get our swim trucks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So UFC 276 from last night in Las Vegas, the T-Bombal Arena. First, we had Jessica Rose Clark versus Julia Stolarienko. Um, there was an early leg kick and then a quick punch combo from Jessica Rose Clark that seemed to hurt Julia. Julia immediately went for the takedown, got Jessica Rose Clark down, put her in position, slapped on the armbar, boom, boom, boom. Fight was over real early. <laughs> so armbar win for Julia Stolarienko at 135 pounds. Moving into Jessica I versus Boo, Macy Barber, Boo. <laughs> and this was a fucking tough situation for me because I don't like either one particularly. Um, but you had to root for Jessica I, and it was this was not a fun fight to watch. Um, Jessica tried to just push Macy up against the cage, and even when she did, Macy was the one doing the damage, landing knees into the body, you know, inside elbows, and a really nice elbow swole up. Jessica's eye, Jessica eyes eye pretty good, and it was really dominant um, for Macy Barber all three rounds. The second round, Jessica I did get a takedown and kind of like had some top control. I still thought the damage went to Macy, so I gave it three three to three to nothing. I think one judge gave it to Jessica I in the second, but again, uh, dominant uh, win for Macy Barber over Jessica I. Jessica I put her um, gloves on the mat, signifying she is done with MMA. So good luck to her and her future endeavors. Oh, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> right. Moving into our next one, which was Uriah Hall versus Andre Muniz. Again, not a fun fight. This one was Andre would take Boring. Uriah down, and Uriah had no seemingly even desire to get out or get up or, like, get, you know, change position or shift it. He had the one flurry at the end of the round where he landed three or four, you know, shots from top position. But really, it was Andre Muniz backpacking him. And, you know, rolling around on him and just, it was not a good fight. It was slow. It was boring. Not fun. And I'm a big Uriah Hall fan. And I think if that's how he's going to compete, I don't think we'll see him in the UFC for very much longer. And I hope Andre Muniz, you know, I hope he has another grappler next time or another jiu-jitsu guy. So at least it's be fun scrambles if they're going to go to the ground like that, because that was not good. All right. Moving into our four. So again, Andre Muniz, unanimous decision over Uriah Hall, 185 pounds. Moving into our first fun fight of the night last night, Brad Tavares, who I'm a huge fan of, against Jeriscus Duplicius, who, again, I'm just going to call DDP. I believe I did that last time. Kind of reminds me of uh, Diamond Dallas Page when I was a when I was a kid watching pro wrestling. So DDP and Brad Tavares, um, they really started to scrap in the first round, right? Uh, DDP would kind of crash forwards and Brad Tavares was kind of countering him and hitting him with some good shots. They really lumped each other up. It was a fun back and forth fight. The second and third I gave to DDP. I thought he was landing a little bit more, landing a little bit harder. Brad's face was really bloodied up and um, 
Yeah, DDP seemed to definitely do more damage against Brad Tavares in that one. So he got the UD in that one. But I'm still a huge Brad Tavares fan and look forward to seeing him come back uh, at 185 pounds. Moving into our fifth fight, we had Gabe Green, who I'm very high on, versus Ian Gary, the future, the kid from uh, Ireland who has a lot of hype behind him. You know, he's another young kid from Ireland who is very brash and very cocky and very much, you know, is is not afraid of a microphone in front of his face, but he really backed it up last night because Gabe Green did a great job of moving forward, putting the pressure on him, and landing some pretty hard shots. He hurt Ian Gary a couple times, once to the body, once to the face, but Ian Gary used his length really well. Uh, those front kicks, the jab was really crisp. He had a couple of really nice one-twos throughout the fight. So again, Ian Gary very clearly, um, you know, especially in the third he, he dropped Gabe and hurt him but Ian Gary very clearly won the fight over Gabe Green last night at 170 pounds and just so we're clear on this everybody I <laughs> I did not pick that one right much like many of my picks from last night so Ian Gary gets on that one all right moving into our sixth fight which was awesome Jim Miller versus Cowboy Cerrone two guys who we've all watched who've been watching this war for a long time we've been so watching good. these guys for forever dude I love this fight <clears throat> it was so Oh, great APB. Like it was. It's like so, you know, they're scrapping and Cowboy has some moments and Jim has some moments and they scramble a little bit. And then uh in the second round, they're you know, they're going after it, and Cowboy throws a kick, and Jim Miller grabs it, right? Puts him to the ground and slaps on that guillotine, that Jim Miller guillotine. You just don't get out of that. You know, no, Jim Miller Yeah, right. Jim Miller puts on that squeeze, Cowboy Sorona gets choked out, he retires as well. Jim Miller becomes the winningest fighter in UFC history. I mean, it was just like it, it was a perfect it was a perfect way for a cowboy to go out um, yeah. because I didn't need him to win. I think Jim Miller's a better fighter, even though he, he looks is. so much he looks so much smaller than Cowboy. <laughs> he did look smaller, and he was like talking about he was like, "Yeah, I can get that choke in my sleep," and he can, and you can tell he was like, "Oh, I got this," and he went for it, and he just finished him and it was so great to see him be the most winningest fighter because he definitely deserves it yeah dude big ups to jim miller and then uh cowboy cerrone again i was a huge fan of him and his fighting for a long time and how his fight anyone anywhere anytime any place kind yeah. of a deal but then a lot of the things that he said over the years i was really like right. what, what what come on dude i couldn't be a fan yeah. of his anymore so big ups to jim miller i hope cowboy has a good retirement all right so let's move into brad riddell versus jalen turner again we did not have to wait long for this one, dude. So Brad Riddell, a member of the famed City Kickboxing, you know, team, and uh, he's a really, really good fighter. And then Jalen Turner, kind of, Jalen Turner is just first of all, he's ginormous for 155 he's pounds. Yes, he is. He is. A, he's a monster 155er. <clears throat> and then just, I mean, he he is so good with judging his distance. Brad Riddell is a shorter stockier guy. Jalen did a great job of lining him up just right. Landed a huge early right hand. Um, Brad kind of fell to his knees and kind of leaned forward, almost like a shot, but I think he was still trying to kind of out of it to really put out a good double leg attempt. So then Jalen Turner got mounted, put on the guillotine, and then tapped him out, dude. Brad Riddell out. Jalen Turner win. Incredible first round sub for Jalen over Brad Riddell. Wow, what a fucking finish that was. That was awesome. All right, moving into our eighth fight. We had... Pedro Munoz versus Sugar Sean O'Malley. And okay, this is, a real, this is a real easy one. This is a real easy one to break down. They were both throwing leg kicks in the first round. 
Pedro Munoz was landing more. Sugar Sean had a few nice crisp shots. <clears throat> nothing significant, nothing major, right? In the second round, O'Malley starts, you know, landing that crisp jab even more often. A couple more leg kicks for Pedro, and then there was an eye poke. Now, this was a second eye poke. But the second one, if you watch the video, the second one, the first one looked a little bit worse. The second one wasn't, didn't seem that bad. But Pedro Munoz, they, you know, he stopped it. He said he couldn't see. The doctor's like, well, if he can't see, he can't fight. They called the fight a no contest due to an accidental eye poke. Everybody can have their theories on it. We're not in there, right? It didn't look that bad to me. I don't think it looked that bad to you. It didn't look that bad to a lot of other people. But we're not in there. We didn't take the pokes. We don't know. So they called the fight a no contest, a real, you know, anticlimactic letdown for what we were hoping was going to be a really good fight. So nobody wins. Nobody loses. That fight basically didn't even happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and Sean O'Malley, like, considers it to be a win. So he did his stupid little dribble dribble shoot move standing there looking like a he looks like a like a decoration at a gender reveal party with his pink hair and his blue and pink tat that's what he looked like to me now He's that is an interesting way of putting it i always think you know who i think when i see him i think of a young sideshow bob from yes, the simpsons that's I, the, yeah i heard that comparison too last night yeah that's who i think of when i think yeah. of him um and again i find it best just to not listen to too much of what sugar sean says and just, you know, try to enjoy that he's a pretty interesting and creative striker. That's where I'm at with him on that one. So. He's great to watch fight, but just anytime he's not fighting, I'm just like, uh. <laughs> right. No, I totally Gag. get that. But who I am always excited to watch fight in our next fight, segue beautifully, was Brian Bam Bam Barbarino. Oh, yeah. Rhino gang, gang, gang versus one of my longtime favorites, Robbie Ruthless, Robbie Lawler. Now, yes. this was a fucking fight, APB. This was the best fight of the whole night. Oh, my gosh. And you know what? When you get ingredients like these two guys, you know it's supposed to be, and it's probably going to be, but you never know for sure until it happens. Right. And boy, oh, boy, did these two get in just from the beginning. Started straight fucking bucking, homie. Like, Robbie Lawler was throwing those fucking, that straight right followed by the hard left hand. Brian Barberina was going a little bit more volume style, you know, throwing eight, nine, ten. He might only land two or three in that combo, but he was landing. So Robbie was hitting, I think, harder. And Brian was landing more often, you know, from the very beginning. Um, and then they got into that second round. And then the continued high volume from Brian Barbarina. And Robbie always, always done that thing where he tries to have head movement with his hands in front of his face. It's a pretty good defense for the most part. But Bam Bam with such high volume and fast hands was really starting to light him up. A, real, a big elbow hurt Robbie Lawler. And then the finishing sequence was like a really hard straight right, which pushed um, Robbie back into the cage. And then Bam Bam just swarmed on him. It was Landing a bunch of shots, standing TKO in the second round for Brian Bam Bam Barbarino over Robbie Lawler. My favorite fight, your favorite fight of the night, fight of the night. They both got the bonus, well deserved, unbelievable. Only one Rhino Gang fighter on the card last night, and they beat Robbie Lawler, and that's a fucking huge accomplishment. It so is. big ups to Brian Barbarina, and then I hope Robbie Lawler doesn't hang him up. I don't think he will. Robbie Lawler. He looked still, really good. Yeah. You know, until he did physically. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then physically, Robbie Lawler, he's like 40, and he looks incredible. Yeah. Dude. So again, I hope you see Robbie Lawler again. And of course, Brian Barbarina will move up a little bit at 170. Very, very cool. Big ups to both those guys for putting on quite the fucking performance. All right. Speaking of quite the fucking performance, let's move in 185 pounds. And we had Alex Pahea versus Sean Strickland. Now, early leg kicks for Alex, and he was trying to maybe get the distance right on 
uh, Sean Strickland. Sean had a couple of nice instances where he threw the double jab, and he's a very crisp, you know, jabber. And then Alex <laughs> dropped Sean with a picture perfect, squeaky clean, unbelievable left hook. And then as Sean is falling down, hits him with a straight right just for good measure. Sean goes down, out. Alex Perhaya gets the first round TKO. And of course, Sean Strickland, being Sean Strickland, gets up when he once he gets his wits about him and is complaining about the stop. It's like, give me a break, dude. That was a beautiful drop. It was a beautiful finish. Alex Perhaya gets the next shot at Izzy for the 185-pound title. I mean, I, I loved every second of it. What was your thoughts on that one, APB? Oh, it was great. It was it was so great, especially to see him get knocked out, you know, and it was just a beautiful knockout. It was like, ding dong, you're dead. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move into our co-main event where the 145-pound belt was on the line. We had the third meeting between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. And here's the thing, and, and I've said it on the show before, and I'll say it again. I'm, and I believe this is the majority of people. I had Max Holloway winning their second fight. Um, again, very close, but again, I had it for Max, and Volk obviously won the first one. So this really was the unofficial, like, rubber match. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and Alexander Volkanovsky looked better than he has ever looked. He was so sharp. He had huge left hands throughout the fight. He was doubling them up. Max was trying to fight back. Max had some nice body kicks and a few nice punches, but every exchange... Alexander was landing harder. He was landing faster. He was doing more damage. Max got that huge cut opened up over his that left eye. That was like gaping. I couldn't believe they didn't stop it really. It was deep. The corner men did a really good job of getting the anticoagulant in there or the coagulant in there to uh, to get it to stop from like really flowing bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's such a hard deal because Max... Max Holloway is so beloved. I love Max Holloway. I'm a Me huge too. Max Holloway fan. And again, I Alexander Volkanovsky hasn't done anything to make me not like him. He hasn't said or done that. anything that's like, oh, he sucks. Fuck that guy. Blah, blah, blah. No, he's a nice guy. He's a hard worker. Everybody seems to like him from City Kickboxing um, and his home gym in Australia. He does funny cooking videos. He seems to know how to fucking cook. And he is an incredible top tier, possibly the greatest 145er of all time. And the problem is, is that he beats and continues to beat somebody that we all <laughs> love so much. So yeah, it makes you want to like right. paint him in a negative light, but you just can't do it. Max no, Volkanovsky. Yeah. Max Volkanovsky. I said Max Volkanovsky. Alexander <laughs> Volkanovsky has beat Max now three times over 15 rounds never looking more dominant than he did last night in incredible performance. I, again, what do you say? Love max Alex beat him all five rounds, uh, you know, clean sweep five, five to nothing. And uh, no, we just got to move on. You know what I mean? We got to keep the 145 yeah. pound division moving. Max Holloway will still be a top tier 145er. Cause they talked about it in the show. Like there's, there's those two and there's everybody else. You know what I mean? And so now it's time to just, you know, time to move on. That's all there is to that. All right. So I'm going to go over our main event very quickly because we were all really kind of disappointed. We were all asleep. Down. We were all asleep <laughs> during the main event. <laughs> Israel Adesanya, the last style bender versus Jared Cannon here. Again, this one was Izzy was being very methodical. And I'm saying Izzy because when you're the champ, you've got to drive the car, right? Um, sure. Izzy was very methodical. He was very unwilling to engage, you know, it was kind of get in and get out, uh, nothing super damaging. Jared Cannonier looked frozen 
a bunch of times. You know what I mean? He just wanted to counter most of the time. And Izzy wasn't really pushing the pace very much. Again, it was a very slow plotting, not very exciting, not entertaining, particularly um, title fight. And Izzy, again, very clearly won all five rounds. There was no question to me on that one. Jared Cannonier is a better fighter than what he showed last night. I don't know mm-hmm. if it was because the, the, the lights were too bright or the stage was too big. I, I don't know. I thought he was going to definitely be more moving forward, throwing harder shots. <clears throat> and then I thought Izzy was going to be more aggressive as well, but neither one really happened. Izzy won all five rounds. And that's really all I'm going to say on that one. I am far more looking forward to the Alex Bahia, Izzy Adesanya fight. And then there's a oh, question yes. about that in the, in the Ronald game Q and a, but I'm far more looking forward to that than the fight we saw last night. Cause guaranteed it's going to be more exciting. For All sure. right, APB. So now it is time to get into our combat sports with Rhino drop of the night. Drop of the night. So the drop of the night that you and I were talking off air, we both agreed upon, would be the Alex Mejia left hook followed by the straight right hand on Sean Strickland. It was beautiful. It was crispy. It was so satisfying to watch. It was. Now, I watched it again today. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I had to. Yeah, it's great. It was so awesome. And again, and I, you know, I had said Alex Pahey was going to win inside of the, you know, inside of the decision. I thought he was going to stop him. I didn't know how for sure, but uh, he is such a great striker. He is such a top level K1 uh, kickboxing guy. It is, you know, you can't do what Sean Strickland does, which is put on the pressure, you know, and just throw a bunch of pitter patter shots and not expect to get countered. And that's exactly what happened. Beautiful drop of the night for Alex Pahey. Very satisfying win. And I loved it. And so did my girl, APB. All right. So let's go ahead and do our main card picks for next week's UFC Vegas 58. Because as we love to say around here, the train keeps on a rolling. So first up in the heavyweight division, we've got Rhino Gang, Jared Vandera versus Chase Sherman. I've got Jared Vandera winning by a second round TKO. APB, what's your call on that one? Oh, I also have Jared Vandera, but I have a TKO in round three. All righty. Moving into 155. Um, I've got Jamie Malarkey beating Michael Johnson by a pretty good fight, a pretty close fight. I got a UD in that one for Jamie Malarkey. What about you? I have Malarkey also, but I'm going to do TKO in round two. Okay. Sticking with our Jamie names, we've got Jamie Pickett versus Dennis Tululin. And I've got Jamie Pickett winning by TKO in the third. Uh, That's TKO three for Jamie Pickett at 185. What about you? I have Pickett with the clean KO in round one. Oh, Jamie Pickett getting it done early on APB's card. All right. Then moving into 135, we have Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Douglas De Silva D'Andrade. And I've got got Saeed winning by UD in that one. What about you? I have Nurmagomedov uh, rear naked choke in round one. Oh, I like that one. All right. Moving into 185, I've got Armin Petrosian. Beating Cal Berhalo, which hurts because I like Cal, but I got Armin Petrosian winning by uh, UD in that one. What about you? I have Petrosian by um, TKO in round two. All righty. APB is getting more finishes than the old Rhino. Uh, I've got to go with, for our main event, I've got Rafael Fazeev over RDA by a clean KO in the second. That's clean KO two. And I'm calling my shot, APB. 
I think that they are going to be, I think RDA is going to be in the middle of a combination. I think he's going to be throwing a three or four punch combination and he's going to be moving forward and Fazeev is going to be walking backwards. Then Fazeev is going to angle off and then throw a left high head kick and knock him out. Not unlike the way Holly Holm did Ronda Rousey in their fight, but I think he's going to angle off and throw a left high kick for the finish. KO in the second, Rafael Fazeev over RDA. What about you? Well, I love that. I love that. And I have almost the same thing picked, except I picked Fazeev with a clean KO head kick in round three. Oh, shit. We both have head kick. I know. That's weird. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure for that fucking guy to live up to, but I hope he does it. All right, do it. Be, let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions. I know our first one comes from our dear homie, the Rage of Sweet Potato from up in Canada Way. RSP, what do you got to see by dude? Okay, RSP says, would you rather fight one UFC heavyweight, two UFC welterweights, or four <coughs> UFC flyweights? And which fighters would you choose to fight? So if I, I decided to go kind of serious on this one, I would definitely go one heavyweight, right? And and that, that heavyweight who I came up with was Blagoy Ivanov. And there are several reasons as to why I landed on Blagoy, okay? One, I'm actually taller than him, and I'm not taller than very many UFC heavyweights, that's for sure. So I would have the, the height and the reach advantage. He prefers to stand and trade with punches, which I'm well-versed in, as we know, but um, he's not a big kicker. He doesn't like to take you down. He doesn't like to you know do a whole bunch of grappling. He likes to just stand and bang, which, again, I know how to do and how to do well on a fairly high level. Um, if he were to take me down and we were to go to the ground, I'm a fish out of water, and he would tap me in a nanosecond, right? So I think he would stay standing. He's durable as fuck, dude. And I've, I know I'm pretty durable as a fighter myself. So I think it'd be a fun fight for the fans to watch, right? Where we both trade a lot of punches before one of us, you know, got stopped. Um, plus, you know, here's the fun, here's kind of the, 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 the curveball. I lost to a guy in my pro career who looks a lot like Blagoy. He reminds me a lot of him. And so it would, it would be like some measure of revenge. If I could get back and get Blagoy, I could kind of think of that I beat the guy who beat me in my real career in real life uh, many years ago. So, yeah, those are all my reasons where I would love to fight Blagoy even off if I was going to go back and take one fight in the UFC. So, RSP, thank you very much, my dude. Wonderful question. Appreciate you as always. All right, let's get into our motorcycle ride madman, the Dean Dog. Dean, what do you got this week, dude? Okay, Dean also wishes you a happy birthday in his question, which I also wanted to wish you a happy birthday. I hope you had a really good birthday yesterday. Oh, thanks, guys. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a really good birthday. Thank you. Good, good. Okay, so Dean's question for this week is, <coughs> do you think that it's too soon for Alex to get the title shot against Izzy? So, no, dude, I'm I'm actually really on board with Alex getting the next shot with Izzy. Like, it's true. He's super young in his MMA career, but you have to take it into take into consideration the the incredible amount of kickboxing fights that he has and not just kickboxing on like a medium level kickboxing at the highest of high levels right so i think izzy is the type of fighter that because he's lost to um alex twice which we're gonna have to hear about at nauseum in the lead up to the fight we all know that we have to see the clips we're gonna have to hear oh he's beat izzy in kickboxing we know and we're gonna have to hear about it all the time but I think Izzy's going to want to get it back. I think Izzy is the type of guy who is going to want to show, hey, I'm the I'm the best at 185. I'm the man. I'm the one who can outstrike you. I'll beat you this time, so on and so forth. So 
I think it's going to be an all stand up, all striking, all kickboxing, but with four ounce gloves on type of a fight. And I give Alex Pereira a good chance in that. You know what I mean? If they were going to do a bunch of clinching up against the cage, I think Alex is well versed in that from the clinch game, you know. But I think if it somehow were to go to the ground, I'll bet you Izzy's not a whole lot more, even though we don't see it very often. I bet you Izzy's got a whole lot more experience on the ground. But I just don't see it going there. I think it's going to be Alex and Izzy stand up kickboxing style with the four ounce gloves on. It's going to be a real fucking barn burner. And I'm super looking forward to it. So, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely on board with Alex Payne getting the next shot at 185. And that is my answer on that one, Dean Doug. So, thank you very much, my Midwest Broski. All right, APB. I know our next question comes from our homie, who we affectionately know and love as Cyrus King, but is is Jamal, the son of Thomas, from the Combat Corner Pod. Jamal, what do you got this week, my dude? He says, why is everyone calling Izzy boring, but not the other fighters for not engaging? <clears throat> so I think there are a couple of reasons for that, my brother. So one, I think it's because Izzy is such an extrovert. His personality is so big and so out there and so upfront. It is so entertaining, for lack of a better term, that many of us expect that if you're going to have that big of a personality and that much sizzle outside of the cage, that when you get in the cage, you've got to bring the steak. You got to deliver the steak. You got to have the sizzle and the steak, dude. So when you're inside, what does that mean? That means bringing a really exciting fight. That means bringing a aggressive style. That means particularly because he's such a phenomenal striker showing off your striking skills. You know what I mean? We've seen him do it before. We saw him dominate Paulo. We saw him have that back and forth war with Kelvin Gastelum. He is so good when it comes down to the striking. <laughs> he is so crisp. He is on a different level from almost anybody else in the whole UFC as far as striking goes. And when they go in and when I say they, anybody who's got that level of skill, which there are a few, when someone like that goes in and they don't put, the effort forward into putting those skills on display, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch someone who knows so good. Anderson Silva has, you know, I mean, did that in a lot of fights in his career. Um, you know, there's a lot of fights. Chuck Liddell sometimes. I mean, there were guys that I loved and, like, revered who I knew were so much better than what they were choosing to perform like. And I think that's the frustrating part. Yeah, there are other guys, you know, I mean, in the UFC who are not – as good as Izzy, who are not, um, you know, who don't always have their foot on the gas pedal, pressing it down, you know what I mean? But I think Izzy is the one because he's so much more talented in, in my perspective and because particularly his striking game is so high level that when you don't see him perform on it, it's frustrating as a fan to watch. And I think he already gets an undue amount of hate anyway. So I think that's just more fuel for those guys. But for someone who is a fan of his fight style, like I am, that's where it's frustrating for me is because I know he's so much better than when he puts on a performance like last night. It's really slow and kind of plodding when I know he is so good. So that is my perspective on that one, Jamal. Thank you very much, my dude. But as you're always known to me, you are the king, my man Cyrus King. So thank you very much. Check him out at Combat Corner. All right, let's go to get into our fourth question, APB, which comes from my best friend in the world, the doc. Doc, what do you got this week, my dude? Okay, he says, do you think Fazeev runs through RDA next week, or will it be a competitive matchup? So I think it's going to be a competitive first round. <laughs> you know, I think I think RDA is he's very experienced. You know what I mean? He's got a lot of he's got a lot of fights against a lot of really good guys. But I think when it comes down to it, RDA RDA is slow, and he's in the twilight of his career and i think he's taken a lot of damage over the years 
And Fazeev is such a creative and an incredible striker. I think he's going to catch him in the second round with that high kick that I talked about. So, yeah. Is he going to run through him? No, it's not going to be like a squash match where he doesn't get hit or, you know what I mean, or whatever. But I do think he does win by stoppage in the second round. So, yeah, that's my answer on that one, Doc. Thank you so much, my dude. All right, APB, that's it for our Twitter questions. We've got a few voice questions to get into. And I know our first one comes from the homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got this week, Juicy Fruit, baby? Okay, this is going to be long-winded and might have to be a two-parter. So just stay with me. Uh, Jessica Rose Clark, although meeting her untimely demise via a quick-ass armbar, walked out to Shawn Michaels' Sexy Boy song. Uh, I think that was... Shawn Michaels song. He famously sang his own walkout song. It may not have been that exact one, may have been another one, but he was known for it. And I was wondering, is there an MMA fighter you'd like to see sing their own walkout song? Um, the only time I've actually seen it was like, uh, there was a clip that Caposa posted in Road FC. I think it was him. And this guy, this massive Korean dude, heavyweight, sang his own walkout song and then beat the brakes off his opponent it was awesome yeah first of all Shawn michaels did sing sexy boy with fun fact jimmy hart mouth of the south jimmy hart did the uh mixing and did the arrangement of that song to make it sound you know palatable for everybody um and so yeah dude as far as like your question i really thought long and hard about it and i came i came down to this He's been in the UFC. He's been in Pride. He's been in, you know, he's in one FC right now. Sexy Yama, baby. Yoshihiro Akiyama. I would love for him to sing Time to Say Goodbye by Andrea Bocelli. Dude, can you imagine his already iconic entrance while singing that beautiful operatic song? Oh, my God. It would bring the fucking house down. I don't know if he can sing. I hope he can. And I hope he is really good at it. And, yes, if I had to choose one fighter in the realm of MMA, to come out and sing their own theme. It's time to say goodbye from Andrea Bocelli by Yoshihiro Akiyama, also known as Sexy Yama. So that is my answer on that one, dude. So, of course, check out Juice at the Friendly Sparring Pod with him and Leo. Great times over there. And what a question, Juicy Fruit, baby. All right, let's get into our next question, which comes from Ty the Fly Guy from the Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles Pod. Ty, what do you got this week, my brother? Hey, Rhino, it's Ty, your Denver Broncos Love Fanatic. I first want to say, once again, happy birthday, and I hope that your night was, of fights was spectacular. So my question for you is, Volkanovski has almost cleaned out the division. <laughs> With the lightweight title vacated, what would your thoughts be on Charles Oliveira facing off against Alexander Volkanovsky for the vacant lightweight title later on this year? I think it could be a compelling matchup. Um, there could be some other lightweights that are deserving of it, but I want to know what you think about it. Having Volkanovsky go for champ champ status with the vacant lightweight title. But let me know what you think. Love the show, and I'll catch you later. Peace. Well, first of all, thank you for the birthday love, my dude. I really, really appreciate it. And yeah, dude, I'm not seeing that happen, at least not yet. 155 has got to keep moving forward because there is so much talent at 155. You know what I mean? They're like the top 12 guys are all killers at lightweight right now. <clears throat> and I think it would bog down both 145 and 155 to do it. Anytime 
there's a double champ situation that just inevitably happens, right? Um, I think Josh Emmett is deserving, although, again, I thought Kelvin Cater won the last one, but we'll move forward. But Josh Emmett did win, so I think that puts him in line for a shot at Volkanovski, which I think he's earned, you know what I mean, because he, he got the win. I think, of course, I think especially with what we saw last night with Volkanovski, I think he beats Josh Emmett, but I think Josh Emmett has the power and the capability to win. I don't think he will. But I think he should be who's next at 145. And then at 155, dude, let's let's just go Charles Dubronx Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. They're the two best at lightweight. Uh, phenomenal wrestler versus phenomenal submission and jujitsu guy. They're the two best at 155 in an already stacked division. So let's let, have them fight for the vacant title. Let's see what happens there. And let's let Volk fight Josh Hammond. So that's that's what I would like to see moving forward. So great question, Ty. My Denver Broncos loving broski. Thank you very much. All right, let's get into our homie, the OG Jimasoon. Jim, what do you got this week, my man? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and the Rhino gang, hope you're all doing well. Fucking that fight card was really good, except for the fucking main event. Obviously, that was a fucking... Yeah. Um, my question for you this week is fucking... Uh, Who's next for Max now, man? Fucking gutted, but I had a feeling that fucking Alex just has his number. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just what it is. Alex is a fucking beast, man. But what's next for Max, man? I'm just, uh, I'm at a loss for words. So that's my question for you this week. Keep the great work. You know we love the show. You know it's always for twenty kids. Peace. Yeah, buddy, I love Max, too. And APB and I were already kind of falling over ourselves earlier, talking about how much we love Max Holloway. But, you know, yes, it's hard to see him lose like that. But as far as what's next for him, I looked at the rankings. I looked at the matchups. I looked at who he's fought before. I looked at stylistically what would be fun. And then it just kind of it popped up like, you know what I mean? It's clear as day. The best answer. The Korean zombie dude, they've never fought. <clears throat> the Korean Zombies also coming off a loss to Volkanovski. Max Holloway is incredible with his output. The Korean Zombie is incredible with how much damage he can take. Max Holloway is incredible with how much damage he can take. The durability of both these guys is unmatched. They would stand in the middle. They would trade as long as they could. It would be high level. It would be fun. It would be exciting. It would be fast paced. I mean, what more can you ask for as a fan for a 145-pound fight than Max Bless? Holloway versus the Korean Zombie. That's the fight to make. I think we would all be on board with it. I love it. Want to see it happen. Let's make it happen, Captain. And that's my answer on that one, Jim Asun. Great question, my brother. Thank you so very much. All right, APB, that's it for our voice questions. Let's go ahead and get into our interview with Tom the Phenom, Pagliarulo, after a quick win from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey. How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, 
any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhinos, proud sponsor. Oh, Fight Fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds around this week. You may not have heard of him yet, but I guarantee you, you will. We know him as the Phenom. Tommy Pagliarulo, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Oh, dude, we're so stoked to have you on, bro. So, again, with the with the 10 rounds of Rhino, the first round is always the same. We'd love to hear the background story. What's the origin story about how you first got involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, dude? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've just been a lifelong wrestling man. I started wrestling in elementary school, did it right up to my freshman year of college. Um, so I kind of just been around the, the combat sports and, uh, sort of felt like if I could, could punch these dudes on the wrestling mat, I could do a little better <laughs> against them. You know what I mean? So, uh, I've, I've always kind of watched MMA since I was little and, and thought about trying it. And, uh, I found a gym near me, um, started there and then, uh, kind of linked up with Rob Font when he moved to the same city as me. And that's when things really got rolling a few years ago. So yeah, it's been a crazy, crazy little journey so far. Absolutely, dude. So your last fight was a razor close, and some would say controversial split decision with uh, last November with CES. Can you tell us, or do you have any idea when we might be able to see you back in the cage, dude? For sure. Um, we're looking at August 5th is the date I have right now, just waiting on a name. Um, and I'll have more details about that soon. And that will be, will that be with CES or is that going to be somewhere else? That's going to be, uh, Calvin Cater's combat zone. Combat met. zone. Hell yeah, dude. That's awesome, bro. We're looking forward to that for sure. So you just mentioned Rob Font, or as we love to say affectionately over here, Rob Font, uh, <laughs> former guest of mine on the show. Awesome guy. You've been a sparring partner for guys like, like Calvin Cater, like Rob Font, such an incredible array of talented fighters from up in the Northeast. Like, how did you first get hooked up with those guys? Yeah. So, uh, I was getting ready for my first amateur title fight at the time. Um, I was kind of just running my own camp, and uh, I wanted a little more, um, just a little more preparation, a little more of a push. And I know Rob had just moved to Haverhill, Mass, the city we live in. And uh, I just shot him a message on Instagram to see if he was like teaching private lessons or anything else. He's probably not going to answer, but uh, I'll fucking try it anyways. And he sent me his number back. He said, give me a call. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I guess he's going somewhere. So uh, I was sitting in my college apartment, and uh, I called him up, and we talked about it. And uh, it started with just like a couple private lessons a week. I was driving all the way back home about an hour and a half from school uh, to, to pretty much get with him pretty much three, four times a week. And, uh, yeah, it started with that. He cornered me in a, in a few amateur fights. And then the way things are going um, – he just kind of said he'd, he'd take me under his wing and brought me around Calvin and Tyson. And um, and then we kind of, the New England cartel formed soon after that. And now we got a, a solid team. There's four of us. 
for fighters, me, Calvin, Rob, uh, and our jujitsu coach, Nick Fiore, and Tyson's kind of the head coach. And we have our boxing coach, Sean Farley, uh, our Muay Thai coach, Jake Manini, wrestling coach, Sean Dupree. And then, like I said, Nick does the jujitsu. So um, we kind of just started our own little squad. We all kind of came from a similar thing. Uh, felt like we could be doing something better than the gyms we were at. And uh, we just we just formed what we have now. Hell yeah, dude. What a formidable crew that it is. Um, can you tell us the story about how, behind how you got the name, the nickname Phenom? Uh, I, I love to hear the background and kind of the, the origin story of how we get our nickname. So where did you get Phenom and who's the one who gave it to you? Yeah. So I was sitting, it was freshman year of college. I had like, I hadn't started fighting yet. I was getting ready for like, I think my first amateur fight and everyone was making t-shirts and shit. I saw like local fighters make t-shirts with sponsors on them and shit. And uh, my college roommate at the time, he was like, you need a nickname. So um, he, he was just throwing shit at me. And then he threw the phenom at me. And then he was like, it rhymes. And I was like, I, I guess. And I was like, you know what? It kind of <laughs> gives me it gives me something I have to live up to. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to fucking be called the phenom. I better show up and uh, and do my thing. So I kind of liked it because it gave me that extra push to, to live up to the name. So um yeah that's where that came from man that's badass dude so uh when we're training and you know and i've said it before i mean, i was a professional fighter for fucking like 13 years there there was not a day of training that music didn't help me that music wasn't a motivator it was something to keep your mind off of the pain music is a big part of what we do as training as combat sports uh professional fighters what are some things that are on the phenoms playlist these days dude Man, I listen to almost everything. I think country music's the one thing I'm not like huge into. But I mean, since I've been out here in Texas, I've been hearing a lot of it, so it's growing on me. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely into hip hop. Nipsey Hussle is my my number one artist. I like to listen to. I walk out to him. Um, yeah, man, just really anything. Um, I, I try and keep it. I try and switch it up. You know what I mean? You listen to that hip hop too much, it gets you a little too aggressive all the time. A little locked in. I like a. Uh, I like some folk music. Um, so really, really diverse, man. Anything. Very cool. Now, you just mentioned you are in Texas right now uh, training, I assume, correct? Yeah, so I've been out here, uh, obviously, for Calvin's fight. We got out here right. June 10th. Um, so been out here training with them, uh, helping him get ready. I actually got some good working with Gordon Ryan and his team at their gym. Uh, we were there all last week, and now we're in a different part of Texas. That was in Austin. We're in New Braunfels right now. Uh, I'm actually at Calvin's sister's house with them right now. Our flight actually leaves later today. So I'm okay. just kind of hanging out here, but yeah, I've been out here for a while. We try and stay a few extra days and, and just kind of enjoy the, the area a little bit. We were at a little lake house, uh, not far from here for a few days. So, uh, just kind of enjoying the visit and, and getting ready to get home and, and get back to work. Very cool, dude. So uh, we all have to have that downtime. We all have to have time away from the cage, away from fighting, away from the stress of it all, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. What are some things that you like to do away from the MMA world for fun? Are you into gaming, an outdoorsman? What are some things you like to do on your downtime, dude? Yes, yeah, tough, man. Um, I'm kind of, I have a habit of overtraining. I, I don't really like to be away from the gym too much. Um, I kind of always want to be doing more than whatever my opponent's out there doing, whoever he may be. But um, I'm big into motorcycles. My tight, uh, my coach Tyson hates it. Um, but I do love my <laughs> motorcycle, man. I'm not, I'm not crazy on that thing, but I do love to get out there on my bike. Um, uh, that's really it, man. I'm, I'm fucking. I'm always in the gym. Um, sure. If I'm out there, I'm kind of just hanging out with friends and family, or I'm on my bike, and uh, 
yeah, just just chilling, man. I like I like traveling too. You know, I'd like to make that a bigger part of my life. It's been cool getting out on these trips with with the team and, and seeing new areas of the country and stuff. So um, hopefully a little bit more of that in the future. But yeah, man, it's hard to keep me out of the gym. Most of my days is spent there. <laughs> well, you're you're a young guy, you know, in, in, in our twenties, you can kind of do that. When you get into your 30s, you kind of have to t- dial that back a little bit. So, I'm being told, and, <laughs> enjoy it while you can now. Because I was the same yeah. way when I was your age. And when I got a little bit older, I was like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Tommy, for our next one, dude, and I've just implemented this question just in the past five or six weeks. And I've really been loving the answers. And for some fighters, it's very hard to wrap their head around. Other fighters, it's a very easy question to answer. So. If you were not a fighter, if fighting wasn't an option for you, if there was no MMA fighting, what do you think you would be doing uh, for a profession, dude? Shit, that's a uh, it's a good one. Um, I know. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, I went to college uh, for four years. I got my bachelor's degree in communications. Um, I've always kind of been into journalism a little bit, and uh, I'm big into the cars and shit like that. I always wanted to kind of be a, a, a car journalist, automotive journalist. So I messed around with that a little bit in college. Um, I was actually almost going to drop out and just focus on the fighting thing, but I was already two years in when I was thinking about that. So I, I switched my major to communications. It was originally uh, physical education. Mm-hmm. And I figured, you know, they're giving all these fighters jobs, commentating and shit once they're done in the UFC. So I figured, why not add a little... Uh, little feather in the cap with that and have that in the, the resume for for when that time comes and be able to plan for the future a little bit but yeah if i wasn't fighting maybe something with that man um who knows who knows no no i love it i think that's a great answer um you know so someone who fights at featherweight you're a big featherweight you and i are the same almost the same height you're a pretty big featherweight so you got to make it you have to do a pretty decent cut uh, getting down to it. So when we're having a weight cut, we know we have to deprive ourselves from some of our favorite foods, some of our favorite drinks, some things we really love to get down on. So put yourself in the mindset, Tommy, of you've already won the fight. You're out hanging with the friends and the family and whatever else is going on. You get to throw down on whatever food you want. What are you getting and where are you getting it from? Yeah, um, it's funny, man. I get that a lot. Everyone thinks I'm a lot heavier than what i am uh i'm just i'm tall you know i got kind of that long frame but yeah that's probably what it is yeah for I'm sure really walking around at like 160 you know what i mean i don't get huge compared to some of these guys i've even thought about 35 but i'm being kind of steered away from that from my team <laughs> but, uh, yeah so my cuts aren't too bad but you know any amount you got to cut kind of sucks it's never fun um but what could i have? you said what could i have if <laughs> yeah I what would you have yeah exactly what would you have if it's time to really indulge Okay. Um, so after Wayne's, I don't switch it up too much because we still got the fight. But after a win, man, uh, everything's always better after a win. Yeah. Pizza's always quick and easy. You know what I mean? You get you get back to the hotel, you shower. Pizza's quick. It, it's good. Um, I'm big in the Mexican food, man. I love me some Mexican food. So probably something like that. Me and my girlfriend always go to the Cheesecake Factory after a win. So fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, man. <laughs> Uh, it's tough after after an L, man. I'm like, shit, none of this is tastes as good as it did before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there there really is something to that. I know it's psychosomatic, but it doesn't matter because it's real to us that like yeah. no matter what it is after a win, it fucking tastes good. And if it's after a loss, no matter how good it is, it's like it still fucking sucks. Yeah. 
<laughs> I've been there many times. All right, dude, you, Tommy, you have careened our way into the last round, which is the 10th round, round, which is the easiest one of them all, my dude. Just share your social medias with everybody. So everybody, the Rhino gang, we can follow along in your career, keep tabs on you. Um, just going forward, what are your social medias, dude? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. It's just at Tom Pags. Um, Twitter is just at Tom Pags MMA. Follow me on both of those. Keep up with the journey. Um, Facebook, I try and just keep that mostly friends and family. Try and have some some private life a little bit. Right. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Keep up with me and the team. Uh, you can follow the the team at Any Cartel MMA. Um, yeah, man, just just follow the journey. We're just getting started. Hell yeah, dude. Well, we again, we know how busy things are, especially when we have a teammate fighting on such a high level like you've been involved in the last couple of weeks. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time, dude. We can't wait to see you. Hopefully that works out August 5th uh, for Combat Zone. We can check you out on that fight and moving forward, dude. We're all going to be jumping on the wagon and really looking forward to see what the Phenom has uh, down the road, my dude. Appreciate you, man. This is Tom the Phenom, Pagulo, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Tom, thank you so very much, my dude. We can't wait to see your next fight in combat zone. And again, I think it's a very, very short amount of time before we see you uh, in the UFC, my dude. You are an incredible fighter. What a team you come from. And thank you once again for taking the time today. So let's get our shout out and our outros to the forum contributors, to the Rage of Sweet Potato, to Dean Dog, to Jamal, the son of Thomas from over at Combat Corner, or as we love him and know him as Cyrus King. Juice from Friendly Sparring Pod. Ty from Front Kicks and Throw Cuddles Pod. To the OG Jim Asu. To my broski, the Doc. To some other members of the Rhino Gang. To Mike Morgan from Shots Fired. To our girl, Brett, who actually has just started a Patreon where she is writing erotic short stories. Not safe for work. They're very raw. They're very much uh, not safe for work. But we always try to support our friends who are doing content creation. So if that is your thing, short stories, erotic content, check out our girl, Brett. You can get the link from her bio. So thank you, Brett. To all the ladies of the PRG, thank you for all your help week in and week out. To my underdog MMA fam. To our girl, Jessica, from the What's Up Weirdo pod. To, of course, Tom and Sandy Pants. Thank you guys for being such great supporters as well. To our girl, the Filthy Casual. To Tori. To Ashley. To my man, Marquise, from Week Sauce Radio, who's the newest addition to the Rhino Gay GC. And we love you, brother. To our lady, Miss Fight Diva. To Asha. To everybody week in and week out who supports the show. Thank you so very much. Of course, to our girl, APB, for pitching in once again and being a fantastic co-host. Thank you so much. My dear friend, we love you. To the future play, Andrea. To D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. To the Einstein of graphic design, Dave Fretz. He is too good at this job, man. We love him. Check him out on both Twitter and Instagram, at Dave Fretz. As we know, fam, I, you know, the, the country's in a lot of turmoil right now. Things are all over the place. People are bad. People are upset. People are hurting. It's now more important, you know, it's more important now than ever, I should say, trying to be a good friend, be supportive to your friends and your family, you know, be an ear to listen, or if you need to talk, talk to somebody. We all love you over here at CSWR. Hope you have a wonderful week. Love is greater than hate, and we will see you next week. Gage Sun!